Trade Show Guy uh, Monday Morning Coffee. So glad you could join me here. Uh, this is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy. Just kind of cruising around my house. We have a lot of books here. Do you notice that? We have a lot of books in our house. We're book people, <laughs> as it were. Uh, anyway, so I had a great interview this morning with Vikram Rajan of phoneblogger.net. Vic was a very enthusiastic young guy out of Manhattan talking about what they do for attorneys, but he also speaks a lot at trade shows and conferences, which uh, was what I really wanted to chat with him about. So let's see how this goes. Well, thanks for joining me for the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Uh, I'm Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and I've got Vikram Rajan uh, from Manhattan. Hey, how you doing, Vic? I'm well. How are you doing, Tim? Uh, it's, it's great. I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad we got to connect. And uh, I'm not sure how we connected on uh, some podcast platform that you can yep. offer to be a guest or a podcaster or something like that. Anyway, sure, uh, I'm on plenty of podcasts. <laughs> I'm glad you're on this one. So thank you very much. Uh, so you are with phoneblogger.net. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me what that is. Sure. We're a marketing service predominantly for attorneys, for law firms. We work with uh, professional practice firms across the country, and they get most of their business through word of mouth referrals. So typically from other lawyers, uh, but very often from their clients or from the presentations they do, um, and occasionally from conferences and trade shows. And they need to stay top of mind with all of those referral relationships. And, you know, if they're out of sight, they're out of mind, they're out of those referrals. So we help them uh, achieve that and turn that around by interviewing them over the telephone and turning what they say into optimized blog articles that are their words, their personality, their expertise, stays in compliance with their attorney advertising ethics rules. Believe it or not, lawyers do have ethics. <laughs> and they have got a lot of guidelines they got to follow, I'm sure, when they're, they when they're blogging. Do. All kidding aside, they actually do. And uh, most are aware that they exist. They don't know the specifics, and we fill in the blanks for them and get it done. So once they approve the articles, we publish it on their blog, promote it through their social media channels, like their LinkedIn, et cetera, and then sandwich the articles into an email newsletter that helps them stay top of mind and gets them speaking invitations and referrals, introductions, and the like. So you're writing customized content for them. Now, do you do this on a regular basis for a specific client or is it one-off? I'm just curious how you No, we've got about 75 clients around the country, 12 people on staff. Uh, so uh, phone blogging is a, a process that we've uh, perfected. But, you know, anyone could pick up a recorder, dictate, I suppose, and work with an assistant sure. and hopefully get it done in their time. But generally speaking, uh, they're uh, busy practicing law, working with their clients. So this goes on the back burner. They intend to do it and it never gets done. And we come in and actually systematize it and actually does get done. So all they got to do is just, just do a phone call with you based on whatever parameters yeah. the questions are already yeah, agreed upon. Exactly. And then you, you get, a, get them back with the stuff. Good. Correct. Yeah. So we brainstorm article ideas uh, because what we found very early on was left to their own time, their own devices, they would never get around to calling us. So you know, the concept of the romantic idea is like, oh yeah, I can just call you whenever I have a blog idea. Well, that's like, you know, me calling the fitness trainer whenever I feel like going to the gym. And uh, I would never call. <laughs> uh, so we, we get them on a routine where it, it's a specific time, the weekly phone conversation, first week recording the article based on those brainstorm topics. Second week, they read the article with us privately, approve it right on the phone. And blog articles are meant to be read within three, four minutes. So the recording time, believe it or not, Tim, it, it's like six, seven minutes. So yeah, if it's yeah. a 15 minute call, we're getting two articles out of them, maybe three. That's a, actually a really cool service. I'd, I'd never even heard of that or considered it. So phoneblogger.net. And you also mentioned when we were in the green room, uh, a thing called Raviate, which is something new yeah. you guys are doing. Tell me, tell me about Raviate. 
Yeah, so we're like in the midst of initial launch. So maybe by the time listeners hear this, they can go to radiate.com. So what we found was a missing piece was the world of reviews and testimonials that we all have our raving fans and we all get our referrals here and there from them. But what if we can systematically, if not automatically, capture the testimonials from our raving fans where they pick up the phone, they rave about us, they hang up, and they're done. That's all they have to do. Getting testimonials, one aspect of it is asking. That can be awkward. And then even more difficult is kind of chasing down our raving fans and making sure they actually sit down and do it. Uh, some of them were like, oh, I'll just write something and I'll sign off on it. And it just lacks that authenticity and passion. What we found is a lot of them will just pick up the phone and rave about us because they do so when we're in the room with them to someone else. Well, it's just that easy. They pick up the phone, rave about you. They hang up. They're done. Uh, we would get an email, and we can hear what they said about you. You like what you hear. You click approve, and it'll automatically post that testimonial rave, as we call it, onto your website and onto your social media. Even better is your raving fan would also have the opportunity to click one button and connect their Facebook or their Twitter or their LinkedIn to what they said about you. So when you go live with the rave, only when and if you go live with the rave, it'll also post onto their social media so their circle of influence can hear them raving about you. And that generates new referrals and introductions. It's proactive word of mouth marketing using testimonials to automate referrals on social media. And people will be spontaneous when they're on the phone. So I like that, that, that idea. But, and that's another clever idea. So I look forward to seeing how uh, Ravigate got, goes. Uh, goes. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons I, I wanted to catch up with you is you, you mentioned you, you are a frequent presenter at trade shows and conferences yeah. and talk about the importance and benefits of engaging the audience and capturing yeah. their testimonials, things like that. So yeah. how often do you speak at shows? How does that work? What kind of things do you get into? Often. Um, once a month almost. Uh, so two weeks ago at the New York State Bar Association, uh, they had their annual conference, of course, here in New York, uh, presented there on uh, ethics and blogging. You know, Generally speaking, that's going to be around those topics. Uh, two weeks from now, I'll be presenting at the New York City Bar Association. Uh, so do that about quarterly. So conferences are kind of part and parcel to what we do in terms of sharing. And what we found is whenever we present at conferences, it's an opportunity for us to connect with our clients which uh, kind of the kind of company I run, since we're virtual and internet, we don't really see our clients in person all the time. So conferences and trade shows are an opportunity to engage our own clientele, which can sound silly, but it's so important from a client loyalty perspective, check-in perspective, and it kind of goes back to raving fans. When they're in the room, they introduce us to others, and they can say, hey, these are the guys that helped me with my blog. And that, of course, endorsement is tremendous. So it's not only the opportunity of presenting at the trade show or our conference, it's the opportunity of hanging out with our clients and having them recommend us right on spot to their colleagues. And that, of course, drives even more sales. I really like that idea of speaking at conferences. I think face to face is, you know, if you're a virtual company, especially, you don't have yeah. people dropping by <laughs> very, yeah, exactly. very much. Uh, so, if you do speak, so what kind of tips do you give uh, to A, get into speaking, and B, once you're up on the platform, what kind of things, how do you want to engage folks? Yeah, so it's all about connections. You know, most of our presentations at, at the conferences have come about really because of our clientele. You know, we regularly keep up to really a spreadsheet. So we have a very simple spreadsheet to know, we call it our leadership spreadsheet. And we, uh, based upon our client 
bios, their LinkedIn profiles, or sometimes just asking, we want to keep track of where they are leadership because they are active in their own professional associations, in their own trade associations, and that's really where the trade shows and conferences happen. So if we have that in, um, and now at this point we have a track record of presenting, but even in the very, very beginning, we would essentially ask them, hey, do they ever bring in guest speakers? Do they ever bring in, in my case, marketing topics? And since they are the committee leaders or they know the committee leaders, from that aspect, it becomes that word of mouth ask. And then, of course, one speaking gig leads to another. So uh, during the presentation, uh, I, I always have a, what I call the seminar feedback form. And it's an opportunity for me not only to, to engage uh, a testimonial, but more importantly, ask, do they, are they a leader in any other group that brings in guest speakers? Now, that could be conferences, trade shows, or it could be a one-off kind of networking group or what have you, but it's a way of getting one after another. And sometimes, um, you know, chapters will kind of try you out and then recommend you to, to the national or the statewide chapter. And that is when the conferences happen at the statewide or regional level. And, you know, but they know this track record. For one thing, they know that it's going to be substantive, informative, hopefully entertaining. Um, and it's not going to be salesy. And they're always afraid of maybe having a vendor be pitchy. Um, and they can recognize that you know, we're not going to sell from the stage or in, in, invariably people see us as subject matter experts when we present. So people come up to us and that's how we can engage them and, and maybe do business with them down the road, but uh, it can be informative. So those, that's kind of how we engage the initial presentation and then secondarily uh, during the presentation. And then of course, so we're hoping with Radiate is another way of capturing feedback uh, based upon the presentations in real time. People can text feedback and testimonials. So uh, kind of more on that to come. I think it's great, you know, because speaking is very, very important. And and I'm just curious if you have uh, a size of audience that you like to get in front of, or is 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 um like are some shows too big for you, or are some shows too small? Is there kind of a sweet spot that's that's good for you, or is it is it is it just really varied? It does vary to some extent, but typically, since I'm not kind of the the raw raw keynote speaker, typically, uh, the, the they get a lot of the plenary sessions, and it's fun. They're entertaining, very story filled, and you know. I enjoy presenting. Um, incidentally, Tim, uh, I'll tell you uh, about Presenters Podcast uh, when we're offline. That is upcoming. It's not out yet, but it may be out when people listen to this. I like small audiences because I like it to be interactive. I like it to be practical. And um, while maybe entertaining, they, they, I want them to be action-oriented. So I very often do workshop-oriented. So in terms of size of audience, 30, 40 people is very uh, typical because mm -hmm. I'm part of the breakout sessions. Right. And I think it's very practical. It's an easy way of engaging the audience. And thus, uh, I want to make an impact because from a sales perspective, when they experience value uh, and they have more questions, we could take it offline and hopefully do business. Well, you know, interesting. When you left, I used to actually teach public speaking for five or six yeah. years and, and did quite a bit of it. I've kind of backed away from it, uh, just involved in other things. But, you know, one of the things and you, you, that, that caught my ear from what you just said is uh, stories really, right. really resonate with people. So obviously right. when you get up on stage, you have stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, stories for me, you know, uh, hey, there's my own background, my own story, but sometimes more importantly are the stories of our clients. Of right. How do they come to us? Um, but more importantly, what did they gain and where are they in the journey? Because, you know, what we do in terms of internet marketing and content marketing, it is literally a journey that it's not just 
they did X, Y, Z, they got the result and they stopped. It's they did ABC, they got the result, they have to shift and now do DEF. And, and it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Any of us who are in the marketing world, let alone internet marketing world, knows that's an ebb and flow. And it's a learning process, a learning experience. And, and now with the kind of the podcast revolution that we're part of, this is a, another format. So thanks for having me on, Tim. Yeah, Vic, I appreciate your time. Uh, again, let's, uh, what is it, phoneblogger.net? Is that the best way to track you down? Or is there uh, are your LinkedIn and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I'm very easy to find on the internet. <laughs> uh, you know, based on the show notes, you can easily find me on LinkedIn. B-I-K, Vic, at phoneblogger.net is my email address. Gotcha. I check my email nonstop throughout the day. So <laughs> drop, me, uh, drop me a note. Vic, thank you. I appreciate your time again uh, for being on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. This was fun. Thanks, Tim. All right. All right. Thanks again to Vikram Rajan for that uh, fun little interview. Coast to coast, Manhattan to Oregon. <laughs> uh, phoneblogger.net. Check it out. Uh, this is the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee Podcast and Video Blog. Uh, again, I'm Tim Patterson. Let's check in on uh, Scruffy. You're barking. What are you barking at? Anybody in a uniform like UPS, mailman, he just goes nuts. Trade show tip of the week. Let's uh, get into that. How to take good trade show pictures with your smartphone. And I've got like seven tips here. Number one, hold still when you're taking a camera, uh, taking your picture out, taking, when you're taking your, when you're holding your smartphone up to take a picture, hold still. Is so many times you look at the screen, you think, oh, that's a good picture. And then you get it back to your computer and it's like kind of blurry. Uh, uh, so I've learned how to stop and hold very still before you Click the button with your finger. All right. Uh, know what you want in the photo. That's always, you know, important. What's going to be in the photo? Is it going to be the whole booth? Just a small part of the booth? Someone standing there? Five people? Uh, from the top of the stairs looking down? Whatever it is, know what you want in your photo and then line it up and frame it so that it looks good. All right. Number three, for people pictures, get up close. Get up as close as you can. No, not, not in their eyeballs or, uh, you know, right in their grill, but uh, you want someone looking good. You want to be able to see them as close as you can when you get up to looking at them in the photo. So get close uh, for people pictures. All right. Uh, number four, take a lot of photos to get that one you really want. Uh, what I found taking pictures is that if you take 20 pictures, you're going to usually get one or two really good ones out of there. If you take one picture, Two pictures, three pictures, maybe not. So take a lot of pictures. That's the other way to do it. Okay, number five, uh, take shots of things you might not normally consider, especially if you, as a trade show exhibitor, uh, which is kind of what this is aimed at, are in charge of things. Take pictures of everything. Take close-ups of, of tiny dents in the exhibit or graphics that are torn or not fitting properly, everything. So you document it. This is your one chance to do it, so do it. You're not gonna set the booth up again when you get back to the warehouse or back to the shop or whatever. You're just gonna have to look through your pictures and say, oh man, I should have taken a picture of whatever it was. So take pictures of things you wouldn't normally consider taking pictures of. All right, uh, tip number six, don't use a flash. Smartphones, I've never gotten good pictures using a flash. Uh, most smartphones have a high capability of taking great pictures in low light. So again, just hold still, take a picture. You know, if you wanna try and see what the flash does, Go ahead, but it's probably not gonna do you a whole lot of good. And number seven, look for different angles. Take the camera down low, take it up high. Uh, you know, take it with a, from around the corner so that you're kind of like, you got maybe the set back of the booth here, or the side of the booth, and you're kind of just barely around it looking. So take pictures from all sorts of different angles to see what you can get 
when it comes to taking pictures with your smartphone at the trade show. Uh, the one good thing uh, was the nuttiest marketing stunt that I've ever seen. What other company other than Elon Musk's Tesla would take a Roadster with a dummy and blast it into outer space that's going to be circling the sun for a hundred million years plus until some alien comes along and, and finds this Tesla cruising around in space uh, with Space Oddity by David Bowie blurring out the speakers. Yeah, I know sound doesn't travel in space, but nonetheless, they'll probably pull it into their little air pocket and, and go, what is this? And they'll hear David Bowie 100 million years from now. Um, what, a, what an insanely brilliant marketing stunt that was, uh, just to test a rocket. Oh, yeah, we can we can take this rocket, the biggest uh, since the moon launch or something. We're going to just blast it into space. And, oh, let's just put a Tesla up on it and just let the Tesla roll around in space for hundreds of millions of years. I mean, everybody is talking about it. I've had so many conversations uh, about that picture uh, and about the blast off over the last couple of days since he did that last week. Just brilliant, brilliant. And, you know. I want to get my Tesla one day too. So maybe not the Roadster, but probably the S model. The X is okay, but the S is a little better. So that is our Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee uh, for Monday, February 12th. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have yourself a great week.